Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out more about our organization at action22.org. Now, here is your host, Sarah Blackhurst. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen with uh, my co-host here, Brian McCain. Uh, In a few minutes, we're going to have Congressman Scott Tipton joining us. We are super excited to have him today. As you know, this is the end of the session. Uh, He was wrapping up a few things, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the stimulus that we've all been anxiously awaiting with him. Uh, But before that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about... uh, um, Well, just follow up with a few things, really. So we've had a lot of people asking us and reaching out to check on us or ask a little bit about our COVID, our little COVID experience. Um, As you know, Brian and I and our families uh, got sick with COVID a few weeks ago. We're doing a lot better now. We're back at it. It's been almost a month now since uh, we first uh, got got it. And I I have to say, I think we're both feeling pretty Yep, I'm uh, 100% back to normal. I was feeling good last week, but I don't think I was fully recovered. But yeah. after this week, I feel fine. I so. think, yeah, I think that's us too. Um, so everybody's back at it. Uh, my mom is still a little bit under the weather, but uh, it's just going to take her a little bit more time. But, you know, the numbers have gone up so much here, and, and we're a little bit worried about that. Um, and we're, uh, we know that everybody's working on it, but it's, it's getting to be a little bit a more alarming and more alarming here in Pueblo as, as we hear a few things that are going on. So um, anything else going on? Yeah, the, on your, on your the good news is um, the FDA did approve the vaccination and we saw here in Colorado, um, we got the first shipment, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Right. Um, and of course the, the whole matrix of how they're going to distribute that we went over last week. So I won't bore you with that again, but um, it looks like they're getting it out there. People are getting the vaccine and we're, going ahead full steam with that. So hopefully that'll be a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel to curb the infections here in Colorado and the country. Yeah. And we're hoping that that happens um, a lot quicker, of course, but that by the time the kids are ready to go back to school next month, that they'll be, they'll be ready to do that. So I think that's the, one of the bigger concerns that everybody has right now. Yes. And um, like it, Sarah said, we're just waiting for Congressman Tipton to jump on. He was, um, I believe, at a bill signing in the White House with the Colorado delegation. So we'll ask him about that, see how that went. Um, One of his last days in D.C. as a United States congressman. Um, It'll be sad to see him go, uh, obviously, for multiple reasons. But we'll talk to him about that. So let me ask you just some inside information. I think everybody's a little bit fascinated about what goes on behind the scenes um, during a transition. So as a staff person, and you've been, you've been with the congressman almost since the very beginning. So yes. it's been, it's been 10 years, Yes. but you've seen, you've participated in that and you've also seen a lot of them go, um, that are going on. What's going on with uh, what's going on right now during a transition between um, one of the, ma- you know, a major election and also. Yeah. Um, obviously you have the presidential transition, which we're watching anxiously on the news to see how that's going to play out. Um, but as far as congressional offices, Senate offices, this would be the second office that I've been at that's closed down. And, you know, basically the, the old person's out and the staff's out as well. Sometimes you'll 
hold some staff over, um, depending on just what the dynamics of the office is going to be. And the new member coming in, they could set up the offices however they want. So, you know, we had four offices, one in Grand Junction, one in Durango, one in Alamosa, one in Pueblo. And the new member coming in, um, she'll choose where she wants her offices to be. She'll choose her staff, um, both on a DC level to a regional level. I, In the past, it usually takes a few months for them to set up the district offices. Um, I think in Congressman Tipton's office, we weren't fully operational until March or April, but that was before my time. So I don't, I wasn't there. Right, um, right. But it takes a while. Uh, the most important thing is to set up the D.C. staff so um, the congressman and members ready to vote, work on legislation and start that going. And then the, the district offices kind of follow shortly after. So it's not just hand the keys, like close the door and hand the keys. You have to turn everything in, correct? Yep. And actually, Congressman Tipton's calling oh, me very now. Good. So let me get that. So this is part of how this goes, especially at the end of the session. Um, the congressman has been really sweet to, to come on and do this with us, but uh, we knew that we might have uh, a little bit of a challenge um, in setting him up because he is in D.C. He just came from the White House where there was um, the Colorado um, delegation there to sign um, to do a bill signing with uh, with the president. Um, and the discussions now is good, are going to all be um, surrounding the stimulus um, and how that's going. Um we're going to take a short break to get Congressman Tipton on um, and get him all set up. We'll be right back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The 
This is Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also reach out via email to sarah.blackhurst at action22.org. Now, back to Making Action Happen. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for being patient with us. We've got Congressman Scott Tipton on with us. We've been so excited. Um, As you already know, Brian and I are both huge fans of of him, and Brian has worked for Scott for the last 10 years. So I'm going to let Brian introduce the congressman. Thank you, Sarah. Well, um, as Sarah said, I've worked for Congressman Scott Tipton for about the past decade. Um, I consider him, you know, not only a boss, but uh, somebody I've always admired, um, a, a very down-to-earth person, um, just an honest guy, and I also consider him my friend. So with that, Congressman Scott Tipton, how are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Brian, and good to be with you as well, Sarah, and uh, appreciate being on your program here. So uh, well, you guys are doing so- some great work for Colorado. Well, thanks so much. So um, before uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts um I understand you were at the White House this morning. Will you tell us about that? Uh, You bet. We had uh, a signing of a bill, piece of legislation, uh, to be able to commemorate women's suffrage. There's going to be a new statue that's going to be placed in Washington, D.C., and uh, had the privilege to be able to go into the Oval Office and uh, visit with the President and the First Lady and uh, some of the people that had helped organize this effort. Uh, to recognize women's suffrage, and so a uh, real honor and privilege to be able to do that. And very interestingly, uh, President Trump noted that uh, he actually issued the pardon for Susan Anthony to uh, make sure that she was not convicted anymore of actually trying to vote. And wow. uh, so that was a pr- pretty remarkable thing uh, that uh, it took until this president uh, to be able to recognize officially the important role that women play in terms of uh, our society, in terms of our electoral process uh, that goes on. But uh, it was a great ceremony and a great privilege uh, to be able to be in the Oval Office and actually took a moment just to be able to touch the Resolute Desk, uh, which has so much history behind that as well. Oh, that's fantastic. That's on so many people's bucket lists. Was that the first time you'd been uh, in the Oval Office? You know, I've actually been over there before, but, um, you know, I was taking it in. This will probably be the last time I'll have that opportunity to be in in the Oval Office. And uh, as we've often seen it on television, you know, you assume it's it's huge and uh, it is good sized, but not as big as you might perceive it to be looking at it in television, but uh, I, I thought it was pretty touching there. I looked at uh, the little credenza that the president had behind the desk, has family pictures on it, and uh, really brings home that whoever occupies that seat, ultimately, they're like the rest of us. Uh, you know, people with families and uh, people that they care about, and that's who they're working for. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. So um, I want to visit a little bit uh, about uh, the stimulus, but before that, would you give us a little bit of history on your interactions and how you've been working with Action 22 for the last 10 years? And this was before me, so this goes way back before I was even here. It does. You know, I've had the the privilege to be able to interact with Action 22 
over the course of the last 10 years. And uh, I do want to be able to give a big shout-out uh, to your counterpart, Brian McCain, uh, in terms of his advocacy, uh, you know, for southern Colorado on the front range and uh, to be able to get jobs and uh, to create opportunities for people that are there. And for our office, uh, which has uh, always been focused on trying to be able to create those opportunities for people to be able to rise to their highest and best level, to be able to get a job, to be able to start a business, uh, to be able to look out in terms of the impacts that legislation or regulation can have uh, on those business opportunities, uh, was always well served by inter- our interaction with Action 22. And uh, we've seen that. And Sarah, I will, will certainly compliment you uh, in terms of the outreach that you've had uh, since you took over the position uh, to be able to advocate for uh, our local communities and local people uh, to be able to address issues as they're being impacted by what is coming out of government in a variety of different forms, uh, in our case, on the federal level. And so uh, for us, Action 22 uh, was an organization that we would turn to uh, that we know is advocating for the best interests of the communities uh, to be able to get their insights on how impacts were hitting people at home in their businesses. And that would certainly help assist us in terms of trying to be able to navigate different legislation through the legislative process here in Washington, uh, to also trying to be able to address regulatory reform uh, to make sure that we're creating those opportunities literally at home. I think one of the, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Congressman. I think one of the things, um, and it was when I first, I'm going to embarrass Brian just a little bit, when one of the very first times um, that I met with him and then um, and then later on through Action 22, I think one of the things that I know has always been a priority for you um, in particular, and Brian has always done a, such an incredible job, is all the veteran work that you have done in the last 10 years. There was, there was a huge need, and I know that your philosophy was something to the effect that veterans shouldn't have to fight for their benefits, and that was what your office really did a great job of. Uh, and you're not a veteran, but that was something that was really a big priority for you. Well, it's uh, interesting, and I appreciate you bringing that up, Sarah. Uh, in our congressional district, uh, we have one of the highest per capita veterans populations in the country. And uh, this is where Brian McCain uh, was such an incredible asset for our office, being a veteran himself, had uh, direct empathy uh, for what a lot of veterans go through when they come out of service uh, to be able to access those benefits. And you're exactly right. Uh, The motto out of our office is that the benefits ought to work for the veterans. Veterans should not have to work for their benefits. These are people that were willing to put their lives on the line, literally, for our nation. Uh, Those, even those that were not deployed, they were willing to be deployed and to be able to put themselves in harm's way. And, As a nation, we have a moral obligation to make sure that we are fulfilling our commitment to those veterans and recognizing for their level of service that they get the benefits that they have earned. And uh, we were incredibly proud uh, over the course of the last decade, and I will certainly give the credit really to our staff, you know, and uh, our Pueblo office uh, to Doug Fitzgerald and, and Brian McCain for the incredible work that they were doing 
in terms of constituent services, uh, the satisfaction rate that uh, I heard from veterans specifically and notes that came in thanking our staff and us for uh, being able to resolve a lot of those problems. We had thousands of cases uh, that we were able to resolve. And as I'm now moving out of this congressional office, we made sure that uh, we transferred those over to Senator Gardner and now Senator Bennett's office to make sure that uh, the cases that we could not close out on our own uh, during our time here, uh, we're going to continue to have the work on them. We obviously have some HIPAA laws and a few things that we have to make sure that we are abiding by. But uh, the veterans uh, contribute so much to our community, and uh, particularly when I look at Pueblo. I uh, was so incredibly proud to be able to represent Pueblo in Congress, the home of heroes, and uh, to be able to attend so many veterans' functions uh, that are there. These are people that love this nation, love where they live, and uh, we need to make sure that we are fulfilling our commitment to them. Yeah, and just going back to that, I think when we ran the numbers, when we were closing everything down, you know, just Doug Fitzgerald alone out of the Pueblo office, I think he positively um, closed over 5,000 cases for veterans while we were here. So, so in 10 years, 5,000, just yeah, him. just him alone. Not the, not everybody, just not Doug alone. He, he closed 5,000 cases for veterans, I believe. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. So um, it's a story that you've heard before, Congressman. Um, I can't remember what we were at, um, but uh, Brian was standing next to me and uh, one of the community members here in Pueblo, who is a staunch, staunch Democrat, mm-hmm. came up <laughs> um, and he's a veteran and he, and he shook, shook Brian's hand, um, told Brian, thank you for your service, but not just your service in the field, but also your service in Congressman Tipton's office. And I've never done this before, but I'm going to vote for a Republican I've never done that before in my life, but I'm doing that because of all the work that you guys do for veterans. And I about fell over because uh, we both knew him pretty yeah, well. Yeah. So, um, so they've done we they've done a whole lot on that. So let's talk about politics just a little bit. If we can switch gears, can you tell us what's going on with the stimulus right now? I've we've talked about this on our show for the last several weeks. I've expressed some feelings that I have about it not being passed yet. Can you tell us a little bit about some behind the scenes, where it's at right now, and if this is actually going to happen? You bet. Uh, We actually have two issues right now, Sarah, that we're facing. We passed a continuing resolution to be able to fund the government, uh, to be able to keep it open. That's one issue. And then the second issue is COVID relief, to be able to get uh, assistance back to our communities, uh, particularly as we've seen businesses that have been shut down, not from a bad business decision, but effectively by government order uh, that is going through. We'd actually passed, uh, or we'd introduced a discharge petition uh, into the House of Representatives. Uh, Every Republican signed on to it, and uh, we'd had, uh, I think, a couple dozen Democrats that indicated at least a willingness to sign it to be able to make sure that we're getting aid to those businesses. We have about... uh, I think it's uh, around $180 billion that is available to be able to get back for PPP loans, uh, for payroll protection loans, back to local businesses uh, that had already been appropriated in the CARES Act. There was a timeline uh, that had to be followed in order to make those applications. It had passed, and so we've got this money that's already been appropriated, literally sitting there, 
just waiting for the door to be open to be able to help small businesses. And I know in so many of our communities, I'm talking to people that have small restaurants, some of our small hotel operators uh, throughout our district, uh, a variety of different businesses that maybe didn't apply for a PPP loan or might need a, a little bit of additional help simply because they've been shut down. And Speaker right. Pelosi would not allow that bill uh, to be able to move forward. Uh, that is now in the negotiations of what they're trying to be able to make a combined bill in terms of government funding uh, to be able to go to September 30th of uh, 2021 plus some COVID relief. And uh, the big holdup has actually been over business liability uh, to where uh, Mitch McConnell has been stating, I happen to agree with him, that uh, we need to have some real insurance. Small businesses were not going to be sued if somebody could uh, make the assertion that they picked up COVID in the business uh, when they're trying to do everything they can to be able to protect themselves, their employees, and their customers. Uh, On the Democrat side, uh, they wanted to be able to get funding back uh, to the states and communities in terms of direct grants going back to the government. Those two issues, they were going back and forth on. Uh, apparently, they're coming to a resolution now to drop both of those and uh, to be able to get some of that COVID aid back to the communities. Uh, we will have to see what's going to be in the legislation. It looks like uh, we're at about $908 billion uh, that they're looking at. And I think that uh, we all know that uh, there needs to be some aid, but it needs to be targeted temporary uh, relief that we are going to be giving back. Uh, they are talking about some of the unemployment insurance uh, to be able to get that back at a $300 level that apparently is uh, on the cusp of being included in this legislation. But uh, that's some of the negotiations. We had a conference call this morning, and it looks like uh, we may have to have a vote uh, on another short-term resolution, uh, <sighs> c- continuing resolution, to keep the government funded. Uh, we're authorized right now through tomorrow. Uh, so they may extend that to Saturday or to Sunday. But uh, our businesses need the help right now uh, to be able to get them open and uh, to be able to make sure that they're going to be there as we're now seeing the vaccine roll out and uh, to be able to get uh, those people some real surety that uh, their businesses are going to be able to continue and hopefully to be able to prosper here in the future. So if I may, Congressman, I have two questions. Um, is the $900 billion package that you just talked about, is, does that include the $180 million package that you were for business, specifically for businesses? Does that include that or is that separate? That uh, wasn't question, released. Sarah, it, it, it does. Uh, in terms of the entire package, there's about $500 billion plus uh, that had been appropriated under the CARES Act that was not used. Uh, you know, we'd had some monies uh, for hospitals, as an example, uh, that uh, had not been accessed, but the money had been made available uh, because we'd had, obviously, a lot of resources that had been thrown at this in a very short period of time. And uh, when some of the deadlines passed and some of the demand, frankly, in some areas dropped off, those resources that were appropriated uh, were not expended out. And so... Uh, about 500 of that $908 billion that they're talking about right now are dollars that are already appropriated. 
they're appropriated, but they haven't been delivered. Um, and what's Correct. holding them up from being delivered right now? Well, uh, part of the problem is uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, had had uh, their bill that they had put in wanting to spend $2.2 trillion over and above that uh, in terms of aid back uh, to, uh, to be spent out into the country. And so that was a non-starter uh, for many of us and uh, was a non-starter uh, for the Senate. And so uh, we've had this negotiation going back. President Trump had actually uh, made a proposal uh, to spend about $1.8 trillion, I believe it was, and uh, she had rejected that right before the election. And so right. now all of a sudden uh, seems to be somewhat agreeable to $908 billion. Uh, and about half of that is money that is already appropriated uh, from the CARES Act going forward. So I think, unfortunately, uh, the needs of the communities, uh, the help that our businesses truly needed was being held hostage uh, simply to politics uh, for people wanting to be able to play games. And, and we're talking about people's lives at home that really needed some support. And, and it's important, too, and I, I keep reiterating this, that, you know, these businesses that are shut down right now and going out of business um, this is at no fault of their own. This is a government shutdown of the business. It's not, like you said earlier, it's not bad business. It's just the government shut them down and they, they're the ones truly hurting more than anybody. And the failure to act has led entirely to these businesses being shut down when they didn't have to be if, if it had gotten passed earlier. Um, and it makes my blood boil, honestly, Congressman, you I don't know how you handle it so well. It's, it's why I can't run for office because it's the kind of thing I just, um, we see it. I, I, we had another friend um, had to shut, shut down their business this week. Um, and I don't know yeah. if they'll ever be able to reopen. Well, uh, you know, the majority of my life I've been in private business and started my own business right out of college. And, uh, as many of us know, uh, you probably end up spending more time at your business than you do with your family. Uh, you know, it's something that you invest everything that you have in. The people that work there uh, are relying on those paychecks to be able to provide for their families. And when you get shut down, uh, it's incredibly hard uh, to be able to start back up uh, because you have so many bills that continue to come in. Uh, you've got to pay, you know, perhaps uh, rent, uh, mortgage, uh, you've got to be able to pay for the utilities, your property taxes still come in, you're still liable for all of those costs. And uh, when we've restricted people's ability to be able to open their doors, to be able to earn a living, to be able to pay their employees, uh, we, we all embrace. We want to make sure that we are, we are safe and uh, making sure that uh, we're, we're doing the very best we can to be able to protect people from uh, a, a very uh, communicable disease with COVID-19. But uh, we've seen businesses respond in such an admirable fashion in terms of uh, going through and making sure that they're sanitizing, social distancing, uh, to be able to operate. And uh, I think it's been incredibly frustrating for all of us, uh, the picking and choosing by government officials of which businesses are deemed essential and those uh, that are not. And uh, you could walk in. I know uh, when I was home, I walked into a hardware store and it was wall-to-wall people uh, that were in there. Uh, you go down the street and you had a restaurant that had a sign out for takeout only. Uh, 
uh, to be able to be there. And so, uh, you know, if we're going to be looking at the science and uh, we look at the practices that are there, uh, we are impacting people's lives in a very difficult way, uh, you know, with not having acted uh, on that discharge petition, frankly, that the Republican conference had put out uh, to be able to get some of those resources out to support those businesses so that, uh, you know, the business that you described could have maybe had some resources to be able to help ride this out and to be able to get open and be able to maintain those jobs and their livelihood. I, I don't think you could have said it better than that. Well, moving on from that, um, <laughs> this will be to some good stuff. Some good stuff. So I, I probably know the answer to this, um, at least from looking at the office and working for you over the past 10 years and, you know, what we're most proud of, what we've done. But, you know, looking back, sir, what what are you most proud of um, in your time in Congress? You know, we were really pleased. I, uh, I don't know if it uh, got a lot of attention, really, but uh, we've been recognized as the eighth most effective member of Congress during the last Congress. And, uh, you know, and, uh, again, and Brian, uh, you, Doug, uh, I can name off all of our folks in our, our four offices in Colorado and our Washington office uh, were a big part in terms of being able to make that happen. But our legislation that we'd put through uh, Hermosa Creek, uh, legislation to be able to support our veterans, legislation uh, for a small hydroelectric and jobs act that we put through for mobile banking. Uh, that were signed into law. Uh, these were bills that didn't get a lot of national attention, but they were legislation that was good for our district and legislation that we were able to pass through the House uh, that uh, didn't make it through the sen- Senate, but uh, it did have an impact. Our water rights protection bill. Water is such a critical, critical pro- uh, part of uh, Colorado and our economy and our future. Uh, we'd had a uh, piece of rule that was being put out by the Forest Service as a conditional use of permit if you wanted to be able to divert water out of a stream to be able to fill a stock pond or to be able to make snow at a ski resort. You were going to be required to sign that water right over to the federal government. You you can gently call it a taking. We just called it theft because water is a private property right in the West that, uh, you know, just by that legislation passing through the House of Representatives, the Forest Service backed off of the rule. Uh, unfortunately, it is still on the books, but uh, they've backed off implementing that, so we were able to stop that. Standing up for our farm and ranch community, uh, when I chaired the subcommittee in small business, they'd had a rule uh, on children working on the family farm. And uh, one of the first things that came to my mind was State Fair in Pueblo. Uh, yeah, under the rule, children would not be able to handle a mature animal. We'll go to our county fairs, to our state fair. You've got children handling mature animals. Under the rule that was going to be proposed, they wouldn't be allowed to do that or to work on a haystack over six feet tall or to be able to handle a motorized vehicle. You go out to any of our farms and ranches, you've got kids out on four-wheelers uh, helping their families to be able to provide for themselves. Uh, when we took that up in committee, we were able to stop the rule and have it eliminated. So what we were able to do to be able to stand up for our district and the issues uh, that are going to be impacting us literally at home is something that, uh, you know, I was honored to be able to play a role in, but uh, very, very aware 
that, uh, you know, it was our staff that did a lot of the, the work on this, and the ideas that we had actually were homegrown. Uh, going out into our district, uh, getting into all 29 counties and covering that 54,000 square miles uh, of Col- Colorado that is the third congressional district is where the ideas for that legislation came through. And and just going back to the importance of organizations such as Action 22, you know, any time that you were working on something in D.C., the first thing we would do was check with Action 22, check with our county commissioners, check with all the uh, associations in the area. Um, And that, again, that goes back to why it's important that, you know, staff on the ground and we're interacting with the community and and running that up. And and Congressman, you're right. You know, every everything that you worked on in D.C., we checked, double checked and triple checked with your constituents in the district to make sure that that was the right legislation for them and the district. So that's, um, I'm proud of being part of that. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to work on that and help these people out too. Well, and I think with, with action 22, uh, as a great example of this, uh, one thing that's very important, one thing that we had committed to when was first elected, I still remember visiting with Bob Rawlings on this, uh, down, uh, at the chieftain, uh, and that's going to be the conduit to be able to get that drinking water out to Southeastern Colorado, which is safe drinking water, which is mandated by the EPA with no dollars behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continued to work on this, worked with Senator Gardner, uh, our delegation, to be able to make sure that uh, we are getting some of those resources. We're moving now to fruition to be able to see that happen. But uh, we, we are a community. And uh, I think, uh, as you note, uh, where Action 22 plays a very critical role in terms of our representatives is to be able to get that information to them the people that are on the ground, the people that are living uh, with rules, regulations, with uh, legislation that is impacting their ability uh, to be able to prosper, uh, to be able to provide uh, something as, that many of us just take for granted, clean drinking water, as an example, for southeastern Colorado. Uh, that input uh, becomes a very strong voice uh, that can be expressed on out uh, to be able to pass legislation. Well, thank you for that, Congressman. So let me ask you, I'm looking back over the last 10 years. I, I know that you probably have several of these, but if you would share just um, one or two of those things that I would call they were keepers, experiences you had, stories you heard, things that you that really affected or changed or helped you develop as, as a leader, but that you'll never, ever forget that you're going to keep forever. You know, uh, one of the greatest blessings I think that I've really had, uh, and it did impact what we were working on, uh, was the privilege to be able to drive through in uh, our communities and actually stop there. Uh, So many of us, uh, if we're traveling, you know, if you're uh, headed from Walsenburg up to Denver for a meeting, uh, you may drive through Pueblo, uh, but did you pull off the road? Uh, you know, if you're driving from the San Luis Valley up to Denver, uh, the same thing out of Cortez driving and being able to get into our communities and to be able to hear the issues and how it impacts people at home uh, is something I think that is incredibly important and always tried to be able to keep in mind uh, when you talk to people face to face, pulling up their eyes, if you will, in your in your mind's eye 
and uh, they're counting on you to be able to do the best that you can uh, to be able to uh, stand up for their issues and to be able to deliver for them is something that uh, I hope every representative, and I, I believe so many do, uh, actually in terms of carrying out their duties, uh, is something that was critically important. And uh, I just heard so many stories, uh, Sarah and Brian, over the course of time uh, from small businesses that were just starting up and uh, the dreams, the aspirations that they had. Uh, Solar Roast is kind of a good example down in Pueblo uh, to be able to go in and to be able to see what they're doing, how they were able to expand their business over the course of time, and uh, to be able to live uh, what we think is an American birthright, that American dream, uh, to be able to address that. And, uh, you know, in in Washington, uh, just had a number of stories uh, that, uh, you know, will stay with me forever. I still remember that first time uh, walking up to the Capitol as getting ready to go in and vote. And, uh, you know, couldn't help it cross my mind that a, a country boy out of Cortez was going to have that privilege uh, to be able to walk in that door and to be able to cast that vote as a member of Congress. And every time we, we did vote, uh, you know, I tried to keep in mind our people back at home and how this legislation would impact them uh, for good or, or for bad uh, in terms of determining how we were going to be able to vote. And uh, just one story, if I can tell you, that I thought was um, always pretty remarkable. Every member that is here, uh, you learn a little something special while you're literally in the Capitol. And uh, still remembered uh, as we'd gone into the Capitol for the first time, and my wife, Jean, was with me. And uh, we went over into the rotunda, and a member out of Mississippi who had been there for quite a while stopped to be able to visit, and we were standing over by the Reagan statue. And everything in Washington uh, has a lot of symbolism that accompanies it. And he said, have you really looked over this statue? And I said, yeah, Reagan was one of my favorites, uh, if not my favorite president. And uh, he said, well, look at the base of this statue. And when you look at the very base of the statue, you'll see there's some grout with what appears to be some rocks underneath it. He said those are broken bits of the Berlin Wall that Reagan's statue is standing on. And that harkens back, obviously, to Reagan making the statement, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, And so it's very appropriate that uh, the president's statue would be standing on broken bits of the Berlin Wall. But that's the history of this country, and I think um, it cannot help but impact everyone who has the privilege to be able to serve here or to be able to visit here, that we live on the uh, face of the earth with the greatest country that the world has ever seen uh, in terms of the United States. For all of our faults and all of the errors that we might make, there is no nation that can compare to this country, and it's the people of this country that make us the greatest nation in this world, uh, simply because we have, I I think it's an American DNA, that love for liberty. I don't even know what to say to that, Congressman. Thank you so much for for saying that. I'm deeply moved. I'm deeply moved. So let me ask you just two more questions um, in the time that we have left. Number one, what are you going to miss the most? And what number two, what are you most looking forward to laying down? Well, uh, you know, what you will do, I, I will miss, uh, frankly, having a, a 
justifiable reason to drive through so many of our communities. I've made so many good friends, uh, you know, in communities throughout the third congressional district. And, uh, you'll certainly miss some of the folks, uh, that, uh, you built relationships with here, uh, as members of Congress, uh, being able to inter- interact with them on a daily basis and had a good friend. He is out of Michigan, Dan Beneshack. And, uh, when he was leaving Congress, uh, uh, he was asked, well, what are you going to miss? And he said, well, I'll miss the clowns, but not the circus. And uh, <laughs> I always told him, I thought, hey, that's such a great line. I'm, I may borrow that, and I guess I just did on it, you know, uh, to be able to say that, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, always a challenge here because I think, uh, I hope everybody that uh, comes to this place comes with a goal not to be on TV, not to try and become famous, but try to be able to accomplish something for the people that you, you represent. And uh, I think uh, you see a lot of things structurally that slow that process down, and in many cases I think it's good uh, because when you pass something here, it does have a national impact on it. But uh, uh, the goal that when I came out of the private sector, if you had a problem, uh, you rolled up your sleeves, you fixed it, and you moved on to the next challenge that may come up. And uh, it is a slow and cumbersome process, a little bit by design, and uh, you'd love to be able to see every bill uh, that you'd put forward. Uh, our Water Rights Protection Act, uh, I hope our next member, uh, I hope somebody out of Colorado, somebody out of the West, will pick this legislation up uh, to be able to get that forward, uh, because protecting a private property right uh, is fundamental to this country, and for water in the West, it is absolutely critical. So those are maybe a couple of the uh, things that I'll miss and, and a little bit of uh, some frustration on what you would have liked to accomplish, but uh, weren't able to ultimately get across that finish line. But we do have uh, another chamber to be able to go through and be able to get a presidential signature as well. Uh, certainly looking forward uh, to being able to spend, and this is, I know, probably every person who has had the privilege to be able to serve here when they go home looks forward to that time that you do get to spend with your family. Uh, I know over the course of a decade, just given how dates will fall, you've had to miss some birthdays because we were in session here with your family, but uh, being able to spend that time and uh, not necessarily have a schedule every day is something that uh, looks a little desirable right now uh, to be able to just get out and be with your family. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's fun to not have to check your phone to see where you need to be every minute of the day and have uh, I guess add stuff to your schedule and say, "Oh, sir, you got to be here." No, you got to be here. So that I'm sure that'll be nice. Um, it's we're getting ready to wrap up the show, sir. But I just wanted to say, you know, over the past ten years, it's been an honor and a privilege, and you know, I appreciate the the opportunity you gave me to help people because. First and foremost, when I took the job with you, that's what I wanted to do was just help. And without you hiring me and giving me that opportunity, there would have been a lot of people that didn't get the help they needed. So thank you. Well, Brian, it's privileged to be able to work with you, uh, with everybody on our staff. Uh, you and Doug in particular, obviously, out of our, our Pueblo office. And uh, uh, also uh, want to extend my gratitude there to, to Sarah. Uh, you know, I still remember uh, when... 
uh, we, we first met and uh, just the passion that I'm seeing uh, to be able to help drive through Action 22 a lot of uh, what we are hoping to be able to help accomplish, and that's to be able to create uh, what as Americans we believe is uh, just a fundamental right. That's that opportunity to be able to succeed. And uh, it's been an incredible privilege uh, to do this for a decade and uh, just really appreciate uh, the support that we had, the input that we had uh, for good and ill, uh, frankly, that came out of our, our district here because uh, the differences of opinion, uh, they are pretty narrow ultimately. We all have the goal of wanting to be able to do the right thing and to be able to improve the lives of our family and to be able to protect our country. And uh, I think that shines through for people of all political persuasions. And this has been the privilege of my lifetime. Well, and we're just getting the word that they're cutting us off in 10 seconds. So, again, sir, thank you for calling in. And Congressman, thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. Can with Action 22, uh, continue the work that you've gotten started for us. Thank you so much, Sarah. And God bless you guys. And I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. You as well, Senator. Thank you so much. I hope to see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your host, Sarah Blackhurst, for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.